Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Bowlology Report and it's been a massive week in cricket again. The Aussies winning the Ashes 4-0. Um, we're going to go through all that with the man who's back. We've unmiked him from Channel 10's Big Bash, Melbourne Renegades. He might be captain tonight, Bradley Hodge. Hodgey, welcome back to the Bowlology Report. Liam, good to be back. Hey, you actually had a few people in. Miss, miss me. I know, I've been, I've got, it's not the same though. Mate, I've I, I missed you. First off, though, we're going to go through the Ashes um, win by the Aussies. Michael Vaughan's going to go through the good, the bad, the ugly from the English. We've got yeah. Mark War doing our guide to. We've been inundated by this question. How do you bat with your twin? And I had to go straight. <laughs> After the Marsh brothers getting that 100, they're not twins, but there's one man, one man only. I had to go to Marky War. But, hey, mate, an opportunity for you back home at the Renegades. You might be captaining tonight without Cameron White and Aaron Finch. Yeah, well, I would have been, actually. Um, but I'm actually injured. I, I pulled the side muscle when I was practising in the nets before the game in Perth. And uh, so, so I'm going to be ruled out a bit later on. Oh, okay. Was that batting or fielding? I was batting. So okay. I went to the nets before the game in Perth, thinking that I'm going to slog uh, Mitchell Johnson and all these fast ballers <laughs> all over the place. That didn't happen. Luckily, I didn't get it back because I tore my side. <laughs> but um, it's it's unfortunate because I would have liked to have captained the side because Cameron White was clearly going to fill in for Finchie. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, Ronnie McDonald Torch said that, uh, you know, I'll have to take the reins, which would have been exciting. And to captain the Renegades in front of the Melbourne crowd would have been good fun. And, mate, well, you captained the strikers last year, so it's not as if you don't have experience there. When you're captaining and you, you, you played under so many captains, I mean, starting probably with Dean Jones, um, mm-hmm. who do you go to? Who are your influences when you captain a team? Is it Dean? Oh, mostly the is senior it... players. Okay. So most of the time Cameron White's got a voice at the Renegades and he helps Finchie out. Um, when I was at the Renegades, it was probably more uh, Travis Head trying to – you know, help him understand what the game's all about and, and try and progress his leadership skills. Um, but the other one, I guess, was Ben Lachlan, who was he was mostly an annoying pest on the ground. Yeah. Where he'd just come up and tell you what you should be doing and you should be doing this, <laughs> set the field there, you know. So. <laughs> Everyone's got an opinion, mate, but um, some you listen to and some you don't. So you couldn't do the Mike Brearley tonight, just bat at 11 and not go near the ball? Well, it actually did. 
try that. I said to Ronnie that I think my captaincy is worth 10 or 15 runs. So I'm actually 10 off no balls. Um, but I did suggest that can I bat at 11 um, and and not bat. But he sort of weighed up the risk that he wanted me to bat higher, which, of course, we all want to do and influence the game. But he just thought if, if I go out with an injury or a, or a worst injury, if there's such a word, um, then we lose all our leaders in one game, yeah. Finchie, Cameron White and myself. So looking forward going into the tournament, he doesn't really want that to happen. Now, and Hodgie, we're going to talk about the big bash and the renegades who are going well and also Cameron White's selection for Australia a little bit later. But let, let's just finish off with the Ashes, you know, a big win for Australia in Sydney. I suppose the big thing was, you know, Usman Khawaja went big, you know, after threatening a couple of times through the series, had a poor Melbourne test match, and then all of a sudden he wasn't going to South Africa, which surprised me. Um, yeah. And so what about your thoughts, you know, on, on Usman at number three? Well, I think you just have to live with the good and bad sometimes, aren't we? We have such high expectations, and I guess that when he came from Asia where he struggled, we're expecting a huge tournament in, uh, in Australia. And it's not that easy just to put together an amazing five-test series. But I think he's come out of it really well. It doesn't matter where you get a 100 or a big 100 if you get it in the first test or the fifth. He's done that and he's accomplished that. And I think that he can tick off that he's had a, a pretty good series. Yeah, and that's the only thing I do like about Uzi. He, when he gets hundreds, he, he pushes them into the 150s, which you want from your top-order players. Probably the highlight for me was the Marsh Brothers hundreds. So... Sean, who he was a little bit like Brad Haddon in the previous series, you know, without their batting um, and their partnerships, you know, we would have been in yeah. deep trouble at the Gabba and, and his 100 at the Adelaide was unbelievable. But once again, it was cash in time for him. But for Mitchell Marsh, you know, a failure at SCG would have went, well, he got the 180, uh, missed out the MCG, batted well to draw it at the end. But for him to back up with a 100, it's got to give him a lot of confidence. And the celebrations was was amazing. Oh, it was great. The celebrations were excellent. I, I actually saw Jeff Marsh in the Nets um, before the Perth Scorchers game, and I just went over and congratulated him and said, mate, what a wonderful couple of weeks you've had, you know. Must be uh, just a great time in your family. I think the best thing that the selectors have done is give it an opportunity to make that number six and number seven position, which we, or five and six and seven, which we said which was a problem leading into yeah, exactly. the tournament. A real tick. So, well done to them. And the Marsh Brothers, uh, I think they're outstanding. Yeah, and also, what about um, just a series review? We've talked about Stephen Smith um, just on, on every podcast, but once again, I mean, he, he got 80-odd, and, and it feels like a failure, doesn't it? You just yeah, expect him amazing. to get 150, 200. Yeah, and you don't say what a wonderful ball it was to put Mo and Ellie to deceive him. Or, it's just, how did he get out? It's just a shock to everyone. It's, uh, that's how good he is at the moment. That's how well he's playing. He's just a, he's a cut above the rest and the benchmarking world cricket along with Fibrat Coley and A.B. De Villiers and everyone else is trying to catch him. And what about, I, you just mentioned the number seven, you know, Tim Payne, you know, sometimes you talk about the wicket keeper. If you don't notice them, they're doing a good job. And he quietly made contributions with the bat. He dropped a tough one up at the Gabba. Besides that, I don't remember another drop catch. But 
that's a real tick to the selectors, isn't it? For a man who wasn't even keeping for his state, um, yeah. you know, he, he's got the, the test gig for a couple of years. Well, wasn't it, was it Ian Healy or Rod Marsh that said, if you're not noticing your wiggy keeper, then he's doing a good job? I think that's where he fits into it. I think he did some really good contributions. I think that it might be a little bit different when they go to South Africa and the quality of the attack is a fraction better. Yeah, that's definitely. where they probably need to stand up and be tested a little bit. Um, but I thought he did really well. And what, it's a couple of good impacts with the bat. That's what we needed. Yep, and the other thing is too, we know he's a real tough character there. And 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 what about the the bowling quartet was was amazing, wasn't it? With with Stark coming back in for the last Test match and Hazelwood, mm. all all four of them got over twenty wickets. I was really happy for Patrick Cummins. You know, eight wickets he got his cash in Test because yeah. he was getting his one for and two fers. But you just went, wow, he, he's bowling a lot better than that. Um, and then well, Lyon was superb as well. Oh, superb. And I got some late mail uh, after speaking. Someone passed it on to me after speaking to Joe Root, and he said that Patrick Clemens was actually the toughest bowler from the face in the series. Wow. He just said that that relentless line and length at good pace with a good bumper was just torturous. Yeah, and it just the thing is what I, you know, as opposed – well, South Africa and have it to a degree, aren't they, with, um, you know, more cool – Philander, uh, Rabada, and, and possibly Stane if he's fit. The, the one thing I noticed is that there's no respite, is there? So you get through Hazelwood and Stark, and yeah. then you got Cummins and Lyon giving away nothing, and then when yeah. he, when it's turning, he's actually attacking. Well, it's just there's nothing there, is there? You're just hoping for medium pace to come on sooner or later or, or whack the spinner, but Gary Lyon was just way too good. So... There's no respite for the English batsmen and there won't be for the South Africans either. What I found amazing or intriguing was the effect that um, having Mitchell stuck out of the side had. I know yeah. it was a pretty flat wicket, but Jackson Bird, it looked like medium pace compared to the Mitchell Stark. And that that was probably a sign of, you know, with James Pattinson injured, you know, that, that can be the future if we get a couple of injuries. That, yes. that, you know, genuine pace and, and let's be honest, it's not just pace. It's, they've got, they've all got really good skills and they're all a bit different. So, you know, just to, just to see that the way they bowled in a group with pace, um, some swing when it was needed, some seam, they changed their angles a lot. They, they made the tail uncomfortable, but you can only do that with genuine pace. Yeah. Oh, they're amazing. Hey, hey, Hodgie, what about the one sort of negative, and he had a good first test, was Cam Bancroft. And I talked a bit about his technique that worries me that it's not set up for a good stock ball at test match cricket in in a ball that's just on or outside off stump on a foolish length. He's got this Mm. technique where his front foot goes across to off stump straight away. So it makes it really tough to actually get your bat down to hit the ball. You've either got to go around your front pad or you actually um, make your front leg go away to the leg side to get your bat through. But that makes it vulnerable to, one, the ball getting an inside edge and going onto your stumps, a bit like Greg Blewett in his heyday. Um, And then also, if it nibbles away, um, you can't really change your stroke because you're coming on a a plane that's, that's, for straight balls, his his bat's actually angled to mid on. So I don't think it's going to get any easier in in swinging seaming conditions in South Africa. No, no chance. I think he's up against it. Um, 
I think one of the most concerning dismissals was at the MCG when um, Stuart Broad, just in his first over, just bowled standard delivery, not a lot of venom, and it took the off stump. Yeah. Um, that was one which you sort of go, real quality opening batter shouldn't let that happen. They're the, probably the technical issues you're talking about. Um, and I don't think it's going to get it easier with Philander, um, Rabatta and Morkel either. No. No, and this is what you discussed. And the hard thing is for Bancroft is, or even Renshaw and these types is, there's no shield cricket to actually go back to to either work out your technique or get runs on the board and get yourself on the boat. No, well, that's what um, Test cricket's all about. I mean, he came into this tournament with good form. He got a two hundred and a, I think it was a ninety in Sheffield Shield cricket. But that's the difference between Sheffield Shield cricket and Test cricket. <laughs> Um, you know, that's that's why it's called Test Cricket. And that's why he can come into the series averaging 70 for WA. He walks away averaging 20 for Australia. So that that's why it's tough. Yep, definitely. Hey, Hodgie, well done to the Aussies there. I was actually lucky enough to, a man I worked on with BT TV, uh, English TV, Michael Vaughan, classy operator with the bat, a classy commentator. I asked him his thoughts about the good, the bad and the ugly about the English performances in the Ashes. Right, Flynn, the good, the good part of England's Ashes tour. Well, they arrived on time. That's always uh, a positive. Um, I think it's just David Milan. I mean, you look at uh, Jimmy Anderson, he's outstanding. Bowls a little bit like you were, Flemo. A little bit of outshape with the odd short, sharp bouncer. You know, the odd cutter. But, uh, yeah, Anderson was outstanding. But the real good is that David Milan, the left hand, the number five, he just played with great attrition. Uh, he just played with uh, great uh, patience, determination. His 100 at Perth playing the pull shot, cut shot was uh, a joy to watch. So David Milan, he's the, the top of the good list, uh, the bad. Now, where do we start with the bad? Um, well, selection, not arriving with any pace. That was uh, pretty bad. Uh, not arriving with a, a real frontline uh, spinner. There's another bad. Um, I think the off-field stuff, you know, the, the nutgate, Johnny Bairstow, the, the pouring of a drink of Ducket over J- Jimmy Anderson's head. There's a bit of the bad as well. Uh, the bad list is uh, actually endless, so I want to stop there because it's just starting to get me a little bit depressed. So the bad stops there. There's too much to mention. Uh, the ugly. The ugly. Well, the left hands against Nathan Lyon. That was pretty ugly all tour. Um, Moeen Ali. I'm afraid Moeen Ali has been... Um, yeah, he'll win the ugly award just for no impact whatsoever. Experience. He's now played 49 tests. Just had no impact. Bowled the same ball. Same ball all the time. Never changed angle. Never came, changed release uh, with the batting hand. Nathan Lyon had him, what, seven times? Just planting that right foot down off stump on a regular basis. Uh, yeah, that disappointed me because Moen's quite a clever cricketer. Usually, he usually likes to be a little bit proactive. Well, I didn't see enough change from Moen Ali from uh, this trip. Uh, also, the ugly flem working with you. Probably the ugliest man that I've ever had the chance to work with. Uh, so there you go. There's the good, the bad and the ugly. I thought England were unlucky as well. If you think 4-0, it could easily have been nil all. The amount of times in the test matches that you felt that England might get a draw out of the uh, test matches, uh, it could have been nil all. Yeah, so there you go, Flamo. He's odd you with you as well, that old bugger that's still playing. He's crook here. He stands at 45, can't move. It's the odd six now and again. Speaks pretty well on the microphone though, so maybe that's why he's playing. ta lads. Geez, Hodgie, I gave him a good intro. He absolutely smashed us there. 
He said, I've been hit by the ugly stick and, and you're an old age pensioner. He's <laughs> not bad, is he? <laughs> Things must be all right over in Yorkshire. He must be making plenty of money while he's over here sledging us. No, he's a beauty, Vaughan. I'll tell you what, he added a fair bit to the Big Bash commentary as well. He's, he's very easy to, to work with. Uh, what about the, the one-day series? It's five games against the, the English. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think England will be a stronger force in, in the white ball cricket. Um, the, the one thing that stood out to me straight away was Chris Lynn getting picked. Now, working on the first few big bash games, Linny lit at a light as he always does, slogging, but um, he's got the shoulder problem. He had a bit of a hamstring problem and yep. he got picked. And I was just wondering, you know, with his with the bowling workloads, they're, they're there to the nth degree of any fast bowler that um, if, if he's going to get injured, he doesn't play. I reckon they need to do the same with the batsman. Lynn's too big a talent. I want to see him playing for Australia, but to pick him when he's not 100% fit sounded sound a lot sounded bizarre to me. No, he wasn't even close to 100% fit. I remember uh, I knew Andrew McDonald had been talking to um, Dan Vittori about his fitness, and I was shocked when he was picked because Dan knew that he'd been limping around Big Bash with a slight hamstring tear, but he wanted to play. And uh, so he got picked, and then he did his calf. Yeah, and then he's probably hobbling around trying to protect the hamstring, and then did his <laughs> calf. So he can't take a trick, the poor guy. That's the one thing we want to see him play. Um, I tell you what, though, Hodgie, did... I used to get a few injuries, and I was very good at getting injured with something like a shoulder. Worried about my shoulder, then I'd do a hamstring out for five yep. weeks, and then I'd come back, and I wasn't worried about my shoulder. So maybe this could be a positive for Lynn that by the time his calf and hamstrings are right, his shoulder will be 100% fit. Yeah, well, maybe that's his strategy. Maybe he's just want to take away the pressure of the shoulder and blame it on something else. And the other one is obviously Cameron White. We're all happy for him. He's come in for, for Chris Lynn and he's got so many runs in the JLT series the last few years and he's getting runs for the Renegade. So well done to him, but... The biggest story is no Glenn Maxwell, who's a World Cup uh, winner. Yes, he's only averaged 22 in the last 10 or 15 games, but uh, I think the way he's batted with the Stars um, has shown that, one, he can get them get them out of difficult situations, go on for 50s when wickets are falling behind us, which I think is a good sign for him. But also, you know, he's the marketing face of the one-day um, arena for Cricket Australia for this summer. Um, he's a crowd puller. Um, I would have thought it was a nice time to get him back in. And, and there's been a lot of chat about him and Stephen Smith and, and, and his relationships with the senior players around the group. Could have been a good way to get him back in, sit down with everyone, have a chat and, and just let him play. Well, I think he's on the cover of Inside Sport. So they certainly As well. see this selection coming. He's dressed in the, uh, Canary Yellow, ready for the one-day <laughs> tournament. Um, so they've got that marketing plot wrong. I uh, I feel sorry for him. On the flip side of that, I'm delighted for Cameron White. I'm pretty sure that he thought the door was shut on his international yeah. career. Um, yeah, he was even talking about giving up cricket and looking into a coaching area or something other than playing cricket. So I'm delighted for him. It's amazing how a bit of a sliding doors effect can change your life. Uh, but for Maxi's sliding door, I'm, I'm nervous about the future of, of his international career. Um, I think he's done everything right 
since missing out on his test selection. He came back, he made 290 for Victoria, made 70, 60. He's played well yeah. for the Stars. I think that runs is not an issue or technique or the way he trains. I think there's something other that those upstairs in the Australian camp don't particularly enjoy. That's a shame. And, I mean, you'd think the best way to, to um, deal with that would be actually within the group. So that's tough for Maxi when he's not. But I'm hoping he just keeps pushing out performances. And at the end of the day, that's that's all he can do. You can't control selection, can you? No, you can't. And that's the unfortunate thing. Uh, you know, four people choose your fate. Um, and whether you like it or not, you've got to deal with it. And uh, luckily for him, I guess there's some 2020 stuff going around, which he's particularly good at. Um, and it might be a path which you might actually want to choose to go down shortly if... Um, yeah, you keep getting rejected, then, uh, you know, luckily that passed there now. But we don't want to see that. It is. That's, that'd be a shame. Yeah. Some leadership from, you know, the hierarchy of Australian cricket and say, okay, mate, these are your problems we think you got. Go and address them and we want you back in the side. But we'll, we'll monitor that and hopefully it works out for you. Yeah, that's a good point. We've heard, you know, Stephen Smith say that he needs to change his, his training habits. But you hope that's not the first time Maxwell's heard that, that it's actually, you know, a team effort. This is where you're going to improve. And, and if he doesn't, well, then it's his own fault there. But, okay, that's the well, one it's day. It's subjective, isn't it? It's subjective. Everyone trains different and everyone's, yeah. uh, you know, no one, everyone wants to do their own thing. He's an he's a impetuous player or, a, you know, he doesn't study the game that well. So you've got to understand that everyone is different. But, if someone makes a statement like that, you'd hope that there's some feedback on the other side to say, look, this is what I feel, this is what I think, and this is where I think you can improve. If you go and do that, then I'll be happy. Um, I think that's the communication that needs to happen for him. Yeah, definitely. And just the last one on the one-day series, can they please play Cameron White this Sunday at the MCG? We'll get another 10,000 people there. Yeah, well, I think he's in. <laughs> I don't think they're going to bring Greg Norman off the golf range and not play are we going to hear from Norma in the social media? Has he been good or not? <laughs> Follow Norma lately, actually. He's been we'll quiet get, over the Christmas period. We'll get to that a bit later on. Hey, what about the Big Bash? It's bigger, it's better, it's into its seventh season and the crowds have been good, the ratings have been good. The, the, the batting and the bowling's been good. The fielding's been pretty woeful. I think the catching and the ground fielding I think most teams are being the negative. I know they're doing those stats now, but how good are the new imports been, Hodgie? You know, Archer down at the Hurricanes, Rashid at the Strikers, yeah. Nabby with you guys at the Renegades, Shadeeb and Yassir Shah, the leg spinners up at the, the Brisbane Heat. Um, it, it, it's just rejuvenated it, hasn't it? Well, it's, they're all quality, aren't they? That's one thing that we, we can understand. We, uh, we have Noreen and found Nabby and he stepped in and he stepped up to the plate and done unbelievably well. I think one thing is that all people want to be involved in this competition. It's like the IPL, that if you haven't played there, you want a chance to play. So all these internationals that come in want to make a good impression and, and fit in the environment and do well. Clearly that's happening and their impact is huge. Um, Rashid was always going to be good at Adelaide. Um, most spinners are and he's a phenomenal talent. The spinners up at the heat, unbelievable. 
And Jofra Archer, wow, wow, what a talent he is. Well, he just looks like he's averaging 38 with the bat in first-class cricket and getting four and a half wickets a test match. Unfortunately, he's got to wait about three years to qualify for England, but he yeah. looks like a superstar because – and he looks, you know, a very intelligent cricketer as well. Like, he, he generally bowls – his stock balls full and bouncy and fast, and then he's got yeah. all the other repertoires, like Yorker, bouncer, slower ball. He's the complete package now. Yeah, he looks a super talent, doesn't he? So I like that. You know, he people when they signed him down at the Hurricanes probably are thinking, what is this signing? Joffre Archer? Are you kidding me? <laughs> of all the people in the world we could have attracted, we've got Joffre Archer. I'm sure that would have been the talk around town. Well, those people are eating their words now. So credit to George Bailey. I think he was the one which discovered him over there um, and said we should get him there. So good leadership well done, and good management Miles. to actually make that happen. Hey, and what about Mohamed Nabi? Well, you know, did you know much about him before he landed? And what's he been like around the around the traps? Oh, he's been unbelievably good around the group. We look, we knew he was a good cricketer. He can bat, bowl, and field. Um, we didn't think that he shined this well. I think he's been outstanding for us. His bowling now is incredible. And I think this is something which the Australians could actually learn from these guys. He seems to try and read the batsman like no one else I know, that he thinks if they're going to step out, then he'll bowl that. If they're going to play back, he'll bowl that. I think his skill's outstanding. And he can he looks very well. composed, Hodgie. Even with the bat, he looks very composed. Yeah. And then you forget about Afghanistan cricket team. They've actually played a lot of cricket in the last three or four years. Yes. Well, that's the other thing. He's played over 120 T20 yeah. games, I think. You know, and you put that in now, fixture. We, we, most of our players max out at about 20. No, I, I think that's a real tick there. What else I'm loving is you spin to win, don't you? In the big bash, Rashid, Farwad Ahmed, Yashir, Shadeeb. We said that Nair at um, the Sydney Thunder it spins working again, and um, I think it's good to see. Yeah, it's great to see. And it it's probably highlights another issue in Australian cricket is that we can't play spin. No. That's a bit of an issue. Hey, Hodgie, can you um, explain to the to the listeners, you know, you know, if you're just facing a normal off-spinner who's got a bit of an arm ball, your philosophy against them in T20 as opposed to an off-spinner that turns it both ways or, or a leggy that turns it both ways, what's your change in philosophy? I think it's it's all to do with the time of the game which you enter as well. So generally if you're two down, you've just lost the wicket and the frontline spinner comes on and he's a good spinner, then you find yourself under pressure because not a lot of us have courage to actually take it down. That's different in Asia. They'll look yeah. to take it down. Um, I think that's the one mentality where we're not quite confident enough to actually keep our wicket in hand and dominate the spinner. Some players do, but not not all of us here in Australia. Um, but the thing is, they have immense talent and immense skill. Yeah. I mean, I think it was Shadab Khan telling Daniel Vittori that I've actually got five wrongans. Yeah. Not just one wrongan, five varieties of wrongans. We can't even get bowlers to bowl one wrongan. Let well, alone five varieties of it. That's just pure skill. <laughs> That's, there's no coaching in that. The other That's one. Just so out just, and out learning how to do it. Yeah, yeah, just practical 
getting game experience and going and failing and going, okay, I need another delivery here and I've got to work on it. And it's not just the batsman. I was talking to Jimmy Pearson up there, the, the Brisbane heat keeper. So he'd only had one practice game to actually have a look at Shadeep and try and work out those different wrongings. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, the batting's been pretty good. The experienced guys are getting runs like we've already talked about, Whitey and Shane Watson and 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 Lynn and McCullum, Usman Kawaja last night again. But a couple of the young guys, Darcy Short and Ashton Turner, they've got some serious talent and serious power. Yeah, serious. I mean, it's not surprising those old heads are getting runs. They're all still good players. Um, they know what they're doing and they're still guns. Uh, the younger generation, Darcy Short, but he was good last year, so I'm not surprised he's good again this year. He's got a serious ability of natural talent, good eye. And also Ashton Turner, he's he's up there with the talents of Glenn Maxwell, I think. Um, you know, he's got a shoulder problem at the moment. So as soon as he starts bowling, yeah, he's got the talents of an all-round fielder, bowler, and he can whack him and bats well. And he's got a good cricket brain, I know that as well. So well, it's interesting. There's some serious talent out there for the Australian selectors to look at, which is great. And he's improving too, Turner, because we've always known he's a, he's a big front footer and he can pull off the front foot as well. But he played a little lap sweep or a lap pull against the Brisbane Heat, and he said that's the first time he had tried it in the game. And then the next day, you know, the game against the Renegades, yeah, he did it to us. He did it to you guys, and then you're bowling, going, "Oh no!" Now he's got more options. Yeah, well, that hurt us because we really didn't think that he played that. So good courage to him um, and good ad- adaptation of your game too, knowing that, geez, if I can put this in my armory and have the courage to do it, wow. Hey, Hodgian, just quickly, what about the Alex Ross run out? What were your thoughts on that one? <laughs> there was a lot of controversy, wasn't there? Yeah. Um, look, I don't think that in that instance he was trying to – Affect anyway at all the fielder or impede the fieldsman. But we all know that deep down in the back of our head, if we are a chance to get run out, we do try and run down the middle of the wicket and protect the stumps. That's that yeah. coaches actually tell you to do that. So it's probably a natural thing to do. Um, also, I don't mind the umpires enough. checking it either. Enough. And I think the law actually needs to be looked at because there was no clarity in it, no clear. Decise. Well, it still know, leads to umpires' um, interpretation. Yeah, umpires' interpretation. It says if you change your line um, to you know from from the straight line, you're out unless you're trying to protect yourself. So there's still umpire interpretation in, into that, isn't it? Yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, look, he probably initially was thinking I'll get out of the way of the ball and then probably I'll run towards the stumps. But why can't you run towards the stumps? What's what's the issue there? Why wouldn't you try and protect uh, your wickets if you think you're going to get run out or bowled? That's the idea, not to make it happen. So, Well, I'm happy for you to get given out obstructing the field if I'm bowling then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rather get given out obstructing the field and clean bowls. I know that. Hey, Oji, it's time for... And we know it's been interesting, the big bash, you know, even talking to the players, that they're, they're, they're guys that live on their phones, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook, but with each post that they're so nervous that they're going to get votes in your social media self-promoter award. Who have we got this week? Well, I've only got a few 
Because I've been a bit slack, I must say. I wasn't <laughs> sure when you were actually going to ring me up and say, can we do this podcast again? So you've I've been, been leaving you alone. around yeah. Australia with Murphy's, all the likes of others. So I've been slack, but I have got a few. I have got a few. Um, and I'm going to start it off with, um, so the first self-promotion award is actually not a person, but actually a team. So oh, the Adelaide Strikers. So the Adelaide Strikers have come out and said that there's only one way to get to NT because they're playing up in the Northern Territory. And they've shown a picture of um, Kerry hanging out the side of the gang. Oh, wow. Hashtag NT travel. Yeah. Okay. Now, the problem with this is, is that three hours before they put this tweet out, the Adelaide Strikers again showed the players boarding a plane from Adelaide oh, Airport no. up to Northern Territory. Yeah. So we know that they're just trying. They've obviously taken some money off the NT travel to make this game happen up there. And um, that, that, that's how. to do that. Channel 10 will promote that yeah. uh, Adelaide Strikers. So that could be our first. Experts. That could be our first conflicting self-promotion. Yes. That's our first conflicting. self-promoting but something else. All right. No, nah, votes for them maximum, um, I reckon. The other one which I've got was uh, is Brett Lee. Yeah. Brett Lee is just an Instagram sampling a few of the local craft beers at Oz Brewery. Oh, no. And loving it. Yeah. Now, we both know. Yeah. We know him personally. He's not a beer drinker. No. And we know that as soon as he mentions at Oz Brewery, yeah. it's free. Yes. So, and maybe, Lee, maybe um, a little bit of coin there too, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. We know Binger doesn't do anything for free. No. Well played, so Binger. we don't fall for that. He's one of our favourites. He is. He is. Um, now, I haven't really seen any of our top runners of late. Um, but K- KP and Pup. Someone who has made a huge impact today uh, and yesterday is, is Trent Woodhill. Now, Trent The batting coach. Well, yes. Well, we know that... He actually included you in a tweet um, yes. suggesting that we want Booper to change to CUA, which that means that he's looking for some self-promotion on this show. It's AHM. Well, is that what it is? Yeah. That's right. So I was watching for insurance you really use. Yes. Well, yeah. I was just trying to make that worthwhile so then you could promote them as well in your own manner. <laughs> okay. So I've got votes as well. Correct, correct. Um, so well done from me there. But the other thing which Trent Woodhill did do is he posted uh, an article in uh, an Indian newspaper and it's saying the men that matter. Oh. So we all know that he's part of the uh, RCB um, coaching staff. So it had Vittori, uh, Gary Kirsten as mentor, batter, um, Andrew McDonald. All having a piece of this article, and we know that Trent Hoodie, you're involved. There's no need to post that paper to say that you're, you know, development coach, batting coach, um, whatever else you are. We're not fooled. You're just no. there to show the world what you're doing. Yeah, just, just a bit of cunningness there, uh, but also we know the motive. We know the motive. motive. Okay, we know the motive. Um, Hodgie, I've I've got a couple. I'm ready. I'm On the ready. telecast last night, we're just going through. It's it's Adam Gilchrist, Mark War, and myself. We're having a good night. All of a sudden, Gilly goes, "Oh, what about this? I've got a text from Daniel Ricciardo." 
Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, on air. Right. Oh, so I just is this got, Google Gilly name dropping? This is Google Gilly name dropping on air. Right. But well, that's, that's, that's up there. So that's, Did he just do that because he hasn't been active on social media lately? So he wanted to get a vote for sure so he keeps in the leaderboard. I, I reckon, you know what, he, even if it's a slight self-promotion, I think he wants he wants maximum votes. I, I think yeah. he wants to be up there at the end. And the good thing about Gilly, he doesn't get one vote uh, each week. When, when he self-promotes, he goes hard. Do you know what I'm going to say on TV tonight when you're – Yes. Interviewing me, Stars versus Renegades. Yeah. I'm going to say I'll get a text from Gilly. That's your self-promotion? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say that. <laughs> well, let's see. let's see how far that goes. And <laughs> I'm going to have to dob myself in, though, because I, I did say, um, mate, I reckon you're going to get maximum votes on the biology report self-promotion tomorrow. Yes, so. correct. But, mate, I, I'm going to have to give him, I reckon, five for Gilly. I reckon yeah, four definitely. for the Adelaide Strikers, and and maybe Alex Carey has to take most of them if he if he was mm. on the train. Um, three three for Trent Woodhill because it's his first votes, and and it was subtle, you know, pushing it a bit to the other bigger names. But we know yeah. where he was coming from there. I'll, I'll go I'll go two for Binger. We love him; he's consistent, and and I'll sneak myself in for one there. Yeah, because it was on the back of Gilly's own self promotion, wasn't it? It was, absolutely. Okay, well, that's the Social Media Self-Promoter Award. Watch out when you're tweeting, Instagramming, Facebooking. Bradley Hodge will get you. Okay, Hodgie, this week's our guide to, on the back of the Marsh Brothers batting together for that 100 and emotion together, I thought it'd be worth getting on to someone, what it's like to not only bat with your brother, what it's like to bat with your twin brother. So it's Mark War's guide to batting with your twin brother. Okay, special guest for our guide to this week. It's Marky Wall, one of the most elegant batsmen of all time. But on the back of the Marsh Brothers Hundreds Junior, I wanted to ask for your guide to batting with a twin brother. Well, that's a bit unusual, isn't it? A twin brother rather than a brother. Um, they say twins have got ESP and you don't have to talk. So we sort of took that literally. We didn't talk yep. a lot between... Overs, we'd walk up to each other and just look at each other and just... So it's just a habit. Yeah, just yeah. a habit. So, so you'd think we would have um, learnt to run well between wickets, but there was one season in particular, um, we had a nightmare. Stephen got me about six times run me out in a Commonwealth Bank series one season. In one day? Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. Yeah, got me so... So where was the sixth fence there? No, nah, no, nah, we didn't get past about the second. What, do you remember the first time... A run out between you two was it some sort of regional under 12s or 14s was it a problem coming up through the grades no not really I, I can't really remember mum and dad used to get a bit more upset than than we used to get they used to say what would you run each other out for <laughs> which is a good question come to watch both of good you. question but we didn't have an answer for them but um look it definitely wasn't on purpose but i would say if you're running with your twin brother make sure you're the one that calls. Don't rely on the other one. So who was... Was Steve a big caller or a loud caller? Did you call at all? I mean, you didn't talk to each other <laughs> in the middle. No, no did, did you look at each other and just go or did you call? A bit of both, actually, yeah. Sometimes you would look at each other and just go and that would be a disaster a lot of the time. But then you would call, of course. Um, naturally, you know, when you're playing cricket, you do just call because that's what you're used to. So... Um, we, we generally did okay, but there was a couple of mix-ups along the way. So definitely a sixth sense. Can you name the other five senses? <laughs> well, there's smell, there's touch, there's sight. 
there's hearing. How many is that? That's four. One more, yeah. Four. Um, what's the other one? Smell. I said that. Touch. Smell, touch, hearing, sight, sight. taste. A taste, taste. Yes, that doesn't help you when you're running between. We just say taste. Well, I'm going to question whether <laughs> there's a seventh sense between you twins, because at the Wacker, Steve's on 99, oh, not out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was the seventh sense that he sensed that he wanted to run, but remember, he didn't, did he? I know. Well, the Short over, ball from Lewis. The over before, he was on 99, obviously, and he just reminded me um, that, you know, I'm on 99, back up and get ready to run. Um so the next over, he was on strike. Chris Lewis was bowling. He, he knocked it straight down at his feet, Stephen. So I yeah. just ran. I was off. Yeah. Thinking, well, he's going to run, isn't he? You're going to the danger. Yeah. So I get almost all the way down there. And Stephen says no. So I've had to run all the way back. I've dived. So I think I dived. <laughs> no, you dived. Little yeah. dive. I'm not very good at diving. Well, you're an elegant player. But I, was out. I didn't want you I diving. I reckon I was out by about, I don't know. <laughs> It was a couple six inches, inches or maybe not even that. I went to the third umpire. Gucci, I think, ended up taking the bars off. Chris Lewis threw the ball yeah. to Gucci. I've dived. What was the communication out. between you two, or did you rely on your fifth sense, just, just sound or smell? Did, on that there, occasion. Yeah, was there, was there sound <laughs> while you were waiting for the decision? <laughs> I, I knew I was out. I knew I was close, but I thought, I'm, I'm gone. This is not going to end very well. And So we just trudged off. I sort of trudged off. I think a did you go first? Did you try and go way behind Steve? No, oh, I didn't let him raise first. his bat. Yeah, he, he got ninety nine on out. Yeah, and I knew that he might actually throw his bat once he got in the dressing room, so yeah. I didn't want to be in front of him, so I stayed behind him. So what was the sound when he got into the dressing well, room? He just said, "Look out, clear the room," and he just <laughs> hurled his bat at Perth. There's sort of all drinks and autograph bats, and and there's an area in the middle where you, where your players sit with their kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. but everyone's just dived out of the no, way. They knew. He's just they knew. That their their senses knew that Tugger was not going to be happy. So for twin brothers or, or um, uh, sisters, mm. the three keys running between the wicket. Um, make sure you you're the one that calls. Yep. And use all your senses. Yeah. All, all so, seven of them. Well, we'll go for two. I asked you for three. <laughs> well, we'll go for we'll go for eyesight and um, smell. No, that Sound. Help. Sound. Cool. Yeah. Cool. That's right. Thanks, Mark. That'll do. Okay. Hodgie, what about that? Imagine what it'd be like in the dressing rooms when Junior ran out Tugger for 99. What, what, does anyone know what Steve actually said to him? Well, well he didn't elaborate, did he? he? He spoke about with Steve the over before going, hey, back up, I only need a single. So then Junior <laughs> did back up. He backed up three quarters of the way down and Steve yeah. didn't go. So... I don't think we can repeat it on this podcast, but um, it's interesting that they didn't chat a lot together, but I reckon Steve had a lot to say on the back of that. I don't reckon Steve Burrard as team manager would have been seeing the brothers <laughs> together on the plane anytime soon after that. Okay, Junior, thanks for that guide too. Hey, mate, we did our poll question, and it was who's the import with the biggest impact on the BBL 7? I went Jofra Archer, Rashid Khan, Muhammad Nabi. I went Michael Vaughan as a commentator. Guess who's got three quarters mm-hmm. of the votes? Well, I'm picking Rashid Khan. Yes. Yep. 75, yes. 73%, Archer second, and Muhammad Nabi and Michael Vaughan, they drew for third, but Rashid Khan, it's not, what about, we're talking about his bowling impact. What about his batting? Well, can we, can he played, he played the sleep slog. No, he got um, 7% of the votes. 
<laughs> well, I did hashtag him in there or um, acknowledge him in there. I reckon he voted for himself three times. He's voted himself. He's done the, Actually, five uh, times. the junior war in the Allen Border Medal, hasn't he? <laughs> hey, Hodgie. I'll give myself a vote. That's the uh, biology report. Thanks a lot for joining us, um, mate. Good luck to your renegades tonight. They're going well with bat and ball. Hey, we've got a nice Sandy update. What's happening at East Sandy? Uh, it's holidays. Uh, I don't think anyone's coming back in real good shape. We start again this week, but no. um, we'll have to wait and see. No, we'll wait and see. But that's the Bowlology Report. Hodgie, thanks for joining us again. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and we'll be back and hopefully reviewing your captaincy the next game you're fit, Hodgie. Yeah, sounds good. All right, we'll finish off with DJ, new big dog. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.